This episode of the Impact Makers podcast is sponsored by Workplace from Meta. Everybody's talking about the metaverse these days, but Workplace from Meta is different. I mean, the clue's in the name, right? Workplace is a business communication tool that uses features like instant messaging and video calls to help people share information. Think Facebook before your company. It's part of Meta's vision for the future of work, a future in which your job isn't just something you do, but something you experience a future in which we'll all feel more present, connected, and productive. Start your journey into the future of work at workplace.com forward slash future. Do you want to be a leader who gets noticed, gets things done, and gets real results? Then you need influence and authority. Join host Jennifer McClure to learn how to build authority, expand your influence, and increase your impact. This is the Impact Makers Podcast with Jennifer McClure. Hey there, Impact Makers. As a leader, if there was a secret recipe that included the ingredients to increase productivity, generate higher profits, and lower employee turnover and absenteeism in your organization, you'd want that, right? Well, what if the recipe wasn't a secret and the ingredients were available to you today? I've got good news for you. The levers that drive employee engagement are available to us all. However, the results vary based upon how well we understand which levers will be most effective in our organization and how we create and implement action plans to take advantage of them. Today, I'm chatting with Dan Kessler, president and COO of Energage, a company whose purpose is to make the world a better place to work together. Dan and the team at Energage help organizations to measure employee engagement, understand where they are today, and guide them to simple actions that they can take to improve their culture as well as their recruitment and retention strategies. In our conversation, we'll cover how companies can represent authentically what it's like to work in their organization, what they should be doing differently today in regards to their recruitment and retention strategies, and how purpose and meaning impact employee engagement levels. We'll also talk about the role that pay and benefits play in driving employee engagement, the biggest drivers of high employee engagement levels in leading organizations, and some practical steps that you can take as a leader to positively impact employee engagement in your organization. I think you'll find some really great takeaways in my conversation with Dan today, and you'll be inspired to take action to increase employee engagement in your workplace. I hope you enjoy our discussion. Well, thank you for joining me today, Dan. I'm really looking forward to our conversation about all things employee engagement in top workplaces. But before we get started, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself, your company, and some of the things that your team is doing there? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first off, Jennifer, thank you so much for inviting us to be part of your podcast. We are huge fans. And uh, and so just just really appreciate you reaching out to us and including us in the conversation so yeah, just to get us started, happy to share a bit both of just my background and how I got into this work, and then uh, and then can give you a sort of the thirty thousand foot view of of what we're up to at Energage, and and I'm sure we'll have lots to cover from there. So I am uh, I'm coming up on twelve years, so a dozen years uh, with our company, and every time I say that, it sort of makes my jaw want to hit the floor, but wow. it is true. That's considered um, old timer in today's vernacular, right? right? Yeah, especially <laughs> in technology, right? So, so yeah, definitely an old timer. Um, my career, really both prior to joining the business and, and I just say kind of the work I've tried to do really just combines doing what, what I see as purpose-driven and meaningful work and also trying to 
you know, run healthy, profitable businesses while doing purpose-driven, meaningful work, which sounds very simple and perhaps even cliched, but for whatever strange reason, that is pretty been a pretty motivating thing for me to kind of try to provide some structure to my career path. And um, and so I started out actually with a social enterprise on the nonprofit in the nonprofit world, really focused on how to make socially responsible nonprofit jobs more visible and accessible to recent college graduates. So really was in kind of the career development uh, realm. And then uh, did a stint as a strategy consultant with Boston Consulting Group. So kind of the whole other whole other extreme of of a corporate experience. But but they really got to do a whole bunch of things, as you can imagine, but also did some large scale organizational transformation projects. And really put those two together and and uh, kind of found this business, which was then called Workplace Dynamics. We we rebranded it as Energage a number of years ago. And there were really a, a couple things that that appealed to me at that time that have held true. First is that we were one of the first B corporations in the world. So I don't know how much you or the listeners know about what it means to be a B corporation, but this has really become now a, a global movement that essentially certifies companies as having both a purpose motive as well as a profit motive and and puts those two things together. And so there are now literally thousands of B Corps all over the world. And we were one of the first 19 back when the company was founded in 2006. Well, um, I had actually made a note about, uh, I noted that, that Intergage was a B Corp and I've talked to some people from there and fascinated by that. Um, so when you say a B Corp ties purpose and profit, how does Intergage do that? So our purpose is to make the world a better place to work together. And that's really, you know, any conversation that you hear us talking about what we do, that that's always where we start. And the thing that we talk about internally is that to the extent that we're delivering on that purpose of making the world a better place to work together, customers are going to pass money and they're going to stay with us. And so, you know, what, what I find really unique about this business is that, you know, there's lots of ways that companies can make a positive impact in the world, right? And, and often you see that in corporate philanthropy initiatives and volunteerism efforts, which again, are all, are all fantastic, but are typically things that are done almost like off to the side. And what, uh, what I feel is, is pretty unique about our business is that those two things of our purpose and our kind of financial and business goals are just completely intertwined. So, so that's kind of how we approach it. Now, at the same time, you know, getting into what we actually do, I, I recognize that making the world a better place to work together is extraordinarily broad. <laughs> and so, so the way that the way that we try to break that down in, into, okay, so how do you actually do that? You know, quite simply, Jennifer, what we do is we gather feedback from employees and we turn that into value for our customers. So that's it in a nutshell. We gather feedback and we turn that into value. Part of what makes us unique is that there's really two ways that we do that. And, and the first way is maybe maybe the most kind of intuitive, uh, which is you know, through the employee feedback that we gather, we help organizations measure employee engagement, right? Understand where they are, where they stand, and guide them to simple actions they can take to improve it, improve their culture. And so that's really all really internally focused if you think about it, right? So that's kind of one piece of the puzzle for us. The second thing that we do, again, with the same feedback that we gather is 
we provide value externally for organizations to drive their recruitment strategy, meaning that, you know, if they are, if organizations are obviously looking in a really competitive talent market, even everything that's going on with our economy today, you know, you're looking to articulate your employer brand. What is your employee value proposition? And, you know, who better to provide input to support that than the people who know it best, which are the employees. So we take the same feedback that we capture and we turn that into both quantitative and qualitative digital assets that our customers will use on their career sites, in their job postings, and in essentially their entire talent acquisition strategy to be informed by what they're hearing from their employees. And, and we can talk obviously about how that then translates into both of those, then that kind of internal lens, as well as that external lens, you know, the types of business outcomes that that translates into, but that's kind of the, the very high level of how we go from, from that very broad purpose to, you know, to driving value for our, for our customers and partners. Well, obviously in today's climate, you know, um, towards the end of 2022, many companies are really struggling with that recruitment strategy. You know, what's worked in the past is not working now and hasn't worked for the last probably couple of years in terms of getting people interested or excited about coming to your workplace and in some cases, well, also staying. Once you've got them, you want them to stay, <laughs> or at least the ones that are a good fit and a good match. So kind of at a high level, I know you, your strategies, I'm sure, are very specific to each company, but at a high level, are there some things that companies, you know, maybe should be doing differently than they've done in the past in terms of a recruitment strategy based off the feedback that you've received? Yeah, absolutely. So, and and I think I'll talk about that from a we'll separate out the recruitment strategy from the retention strategy, right? Because I do think we see that there are, um, while there's obviously a connection and you want there to be consistency from what you're kind of selling a candidate on the way in to what they experience when they're there, what we found is, is that does change a little bit, right? What's going to keep somebody engaged in an organization is maybe a little bit different than what they're looking for when they're coming in. And so, you know, for, from our perspective, and I'll try to keep this relatively simple. And then I'm like you said, I'm sure we can we can go deeper. From a recruitment perspective, what, what we're really focused on is how do you represent authentically what it's like to work in an organization, right? And as you know, and as probably all the listeners know, until you really get in there and experience it and you know the ups and downs, it's very hard to truly understand what it's going to be like to work in an organization until you're there, you, you know, similar to maybe even a college application process that many of us probably went through. It's hard to really know what it's like until you're there. So what, what basically our, our core value add is to say, let's elevate the voice of employee in how we communicate that to the candidate market. And, and our belief and what we've seen, our conviction is that the more that organizations can do that, whether that's with us or through their own efforts, the more they'll be able to attract candidates who are going to thrive in their culture, right? And, and, and so the specific examples of that are, imagine an organization where our feedback shows that this is a really innovative place to work, right? You can imagine that for some people working in a highly innovative, fast-paced, changing environment is like, oh my gosh, like, that's awesome. That's what I want, you know, bring me into that. Whereas for others, it may say, you know what, I actually want an organization that's a bit more mature, a bit more stable. I've done the startup thing, or I've done the, innovation thing. And it's just, that's not kind of what I need for my life right now. The other thing, the other way that we can leverage data just to make that more specific is 
we can actually provide insight into what it's like to work in a specific department because the way we capture data, right, has all kinds of different ways that we slice it and dice it. And so, you know, what does it mean to be a software engineer at company X versus what does it mean to be part of the finance team at company X? And those actually may be quite different messages that you want to deliver to the candidate based on what you're, how you're recruiting or what roles you're recruiting for. And so that's a bit of what we see on the recruitment side. I think the other thing we know just from data is when companies, and we'll get into kind of what we measure and and uh, and how we kind of look at employee engagement, but one of the things that we know is that once you join an organization, believe it or not, but pay and benefits compensation is essentially the least important factor that we measure that drives employee engagement. And we see this, it doesn't matter by company size, by industry, by what's going on in the economy. And we've, we've been at this for, for 16 years. We've got data from 70,000 organizations, over 25 million employees. And this has just stood through all of that. Now, and, and again, we'll unpack as to the question is then, so what does drive employee engagement? We'll get into that. But the thing that's important to note is that, and I think you're seeing a lot of trends on this around clarity of communication on compensation to the candidate market. And so I think it is important to note that for the candidate, right, communication around the pay and benefits and and strategically, what kind of company are you, what's your approach to it, those things are much more important in the recruitment strategy than they are once the organization gets in. And so that's a bit of a subtlety, but is important for employers to uh, to understand, and then then the last thing I would just say about the recruitment strategy is, you know, the I guess the reason why we focus on this voice of employee authenticity is because any organization, right, can throw on their website that we're an employer of choice and people are our greatest asset. That's pretty easy to do, right? And so, you know, the the challenge is how do you validate that? And, and we have a couple of ways we can do that as we talk about our top workplaces program and things like that. But part of that is just letting your employees tell the story for you. Right. I think it's so valuable, as you mentioned. Uh, I love that you said that. I was interviewed on a podcast recently where we talked about culture and they asked me kind of like, how do I define culture? And I said, it's really important to realize that there is a culture of the company, but then there are cultures within the culture, that every department, every leader has a culture. And so I like that your data, the voice of the employee is authentic down to the team because, for example, I worked in a Japanese organization, Japanese automotive company, several years ago before, um, you know, we had data like this. But from working there, I knew, you know, it was a great company to work for, rapid growth, fast pace. As you said, there would be people that it would be a really good fit for, and there would be people that it would be not a good fit for. But I knew in recruiting and interviewing that if I'm hiring someone to work in the accounting department versus the engineering department, although we are the same company, completely radically different cultures, accounting, CFO, very laid back, data, information, engineering led by a Japanese uh, ex or transplant manager, very long hours, expectations of being there seven days a week, you know, grinding. So the culture within the culture, or as you said, kind of that, what's the experience like working within different departments within a company is, I won't say just as important or more important, but it's so important when you're recruiting 
that if your employer brand, your website says we're innovative, we're creative, you know, this, but yet you go and you work with a manager who's doing a good job of meeting expectations, but doesn't really lead that way, then that employee is potentially going to be disappointed if they join and it doesn't match what they were told. Oh my God. Yeah. I could not agree more. And, you know, one of the things that we measure is, you know, has this job met the expectations I had when I started? And we asked that of every employee. So even someone like me, who's been in an organization for 12 years, you know, would still be asked that statement because that is, you know, that, that potential for dissonance of what you were expecting on the way in versus the reality just has such a uh, massive impact on your experience. And, you know, you can translate that to your point into higher turnover, into just people being, you know, less productive in the role. And so, and so exactly. So that's kind of where we come back to let's, and and what we're actually finding that's been really um, one of those kind of cool surprises as you start working on these things with customers is there are many organizations that are kind of excited to share everything about their culture, right? It's not just necessarily, oh, here's all the great parts. Here are some of the things that, you know, we're not as good at and we recognize and working on, but we'd rather you know that coming in, right? So that you can make a good call and we can determine, um, you know, how to really set you up for success. Yeah. Another example from my past, I worked in an organization that was uh, over a hundred years old, very established brands, uh, but myself and several others have been brought there for a turnaround situation. And my CEO was a, you know, young, energetic, former consulting, you know, <laughs> big four consulting group guy. And he was like, we need to hire marketing people because we have an iconic brand. We need to hire poach marketing people from Procter & Gamble, which is also here in Cincinnati. And I remember, again, sitting across from him going, that's not going to work. You're thinking of hiring great marketing talent, great people who've learned classic marketing strategies, but the culture that they work in versus the culture that we have is completely different. And he insisted that we continue down the path. And we hired, I think, three of them and all three of them failed miserably because they came in and they're like, where's the person that that gets my mail and brings it to me and where's my multi-million dollar budget and where's my you know br branding agency that's working with us we're like you get none of that this is scrappy you got to do it yourself we're turning things around you know and that's and that's totally wrong and that's you know a lot of the companies that we work with are you know we serve some very large companies but we also serve, you know, kind of your mid-sized companies that are also that are in that same place where they're scrappy, you know, and, and, and we know resources are tightening right now. So there's also for us just an efficiency, frankly, of, you know, all this feedback we're going to capture and simply how do we maximize the value that you can get because you don't have the time, the multi-million dollar budgets to go out hire an agency to figure that out, hire a big consulting firm to come in and do a big study with you. Like you need to run your business. And what we're saying is how do we leverage feedback from employees into how you run your business to, you know, to, to drive better results. I will, I, maybe it's not a proud moment in my career, but I will say that I did do a big, I told you so when the last one left. <laughs> yeah, there you go, exactly. As you should have. As you I'm like, have. you should have listened to the feedback of your employees when I told you they would not work. They're great, talented people, but they did not work in this environment. So you've mentioned kind of like the pay and benefits. I think I heard, you know, growing up in my educational career that it was a satisfier versus a dissatisfier. You know, it, it needs to be there and people need to be satisfied would pay but it's not a motivator it's not a driver um, that's exactly right that's exactly right. and we yeah 
Yeah, that's exactly. We we think about that as uh, table stakes would be another word that we would use to, to consistent with that, which is you know people want to be fairly valued is the way that that we think about it, which is you know for us that's things like pay benefits, even work life flexibility. We kind of put into that, and and oftentimes what we find Jennifer is that a lot of times also comes down to just communicating your organization's strategy approach as opposed to the specifics of it, right? Like if we're a company that simply pays at market, right? That's just, that's who we are. We're a low margin business and that's how we compete. That's who we are. Cool. Like we set that expectation, work-life flexibility, you know, here's our position. Here's what we do. We communicate that. And, and that's how to kind of manage those perceptions. Because fundamentally, one of the, I guess, kind of other higher level concepts that, that we talk about all the time is we measure perception, not necessarily reality. But for leaders, the employee's perception is their reality. <laughs> and so, so, you know, so it's just important to note that, that any, anything like quantitative and even qualitative feedback is all based on perception, but that's what is needed to really drive, you know, to drive the organization. Well, you dropped a, a crumb a minute ago. I want to go back and pick it up. What are the drivers of employee yes. engagement? Thank you. Well, there yeah. you go. Uh, <laughs> there's the crumb. So, so uh, you know, maybe one visual, and I know we're, we're on audio here, but, you know, we actually think about it as, as, as almost a pyramid. Um, and at the base of that pyramid is exactly those things that we were talking about around, around being fairly valued. The second layer that we look at really relates to the experience of the individual employee. And there's a couple dimensions to that. The first is, is individual employees want to be respected and they want to be supported. And there's all kinds of neuroscience uh, behind what we do that, that validates that. But fundamentally, this is about having an inclusive and supportive environment, an environment that's open to new ideas, an environment where... Uh, you know, I as an individual employee feel genuinely appreciated. So that's one kind of piece of that of that next level of the pyramid. The other piece of it is is really about growth for the individual employee. And for us, we measure that through things like training. Am I learning? Am I am I reaching my full potential? And so you put those together, that dimension of am I respected and supported in my day to day? And am I given the opportunity to to really grow and, and reach my potential? And that's the, those are the core elements that that drive that are driving employee engagement from the lens of the individual employee. The next lens up from that really gets to the things that managers and leaders can influence. And again, we kind of look at that through 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 two different dimensions. The first dimension is is really about alignment, um, and that comes down to things like: Are we clear on the direction of the organization? Are we operating by a strong sense of values? Is there a sense of meaning in our work, right? And those are all those things that that drive alignment that, you know, maybe me as an individual employee, I'm more on the, on the receiving end of that, so to speak. But as you move up the organizational hierarchy, as you know, and probably have experienced, senior leaders can have a lot of influence over those dimensions. Similarly, the other piece of that is is simply around you know execution and how the work gets done day to day, and a lot of that for us boils down to communication, right? So we think about both communication up. So you know, do you, Jennifer, as a senior leader, understand what's really going on in the organization, and do I, Dan, as a frontline employee, do I feel well informed about important decisions that that impact my day to day, and fundamentally, you know. Do I believe that I can get things done, right? That we're actually getting things done efficiently and well. And so, again, which are things that, while I as an individual employee have some influence over, over that, 
those managers and leaders, again, have much more ability in terms of how that senior leadership team works together, right? And one of the things we know is when we walk into a situation where there is not strong alignment on the executive team, it's not to say that we can't make an impact there, but we know we have our work cut out for us because without that strongly aligned executive team, it just makes it much, much more difficult to achieve all these things that we're talking about. And so you put all those things together on the pyramid and then really at the, at the top of the pyramid is engagement. And, and the reason that that's at the top of the pyramid is we think about employee engagement as the almost the output or the outcome of doing all these things that we just talked about and doing those well. So we measure employee engagement based on based on three things. Um, first is is motivation. So am I motivated to give my best? Um, second is loyalty. Am I looking for another job? <laughs> and and third is is the classic uh, kind of net promoter score, but more the employee net promoter is would I be willing to refer a friend or a colleague to the organization? And if you think about those three things and motivation, loyalty, and referral, it's hard to like think of concrete actions that that I as a as a leader can take concretely to impact referral, for example. But when you go down that pyramid and you thought and you think about getting things done efficiently, having clear direction, operating by strong values, providing growth opportunities, having a sense of meaning in the work, appreciating employees, right? All those things are what we call our culture drivers that are the inputs to then drive employee engagement. And what we've done over the years is simply studied that essentially just that basic correlation of, you know, these things that we measure and to what extent do they drive employee engagement. And so what will surface is what's your biggest lever as an organization to move the needle on employee engagement? Because again, we know from our research and others that more engaged employees drives better business results. And there's, you know, all kinds of studies, right, that we can that we can cite to validate that. But but there's kind of a fundamental belief that driving better employee engagement is going to help you better achieve your organizational goals. So is that lever different for every organization based off of the feedback from employees or is it common? Absolutely. So it, it is. That is where it gets more dynamic in terms of what's going on with that individual organization and where are they in their maturity curve? How does the culture align with the business strategy that they're trying to achieve? And similar to what we do from an external lens internally, that may look different for different departments. So that finance department that you talked about may have you know, different culture drivers that they need to work on versus the engineering team. And, you know, part of what we've been able to do because again, of just the massive data that we've collected is we're able to, to surface, surface those kind of highest leverage opportunities and put them in context of what we're seeing with similar sized organizations in your industry and, and kind of bake that so that me as a leader, I don't have to spend a lot of time thinking about what this data is telling me. I can spend my time taking action on the feedback that I'm hearing. And, and I would say, oh, go ahead, Jennifer. Yeah. I was, I was, I'm going to do what probably many of your clients do. I'm going to pick one that I really want to talk about. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> it may or may not be the most important, but you've mentioned a couple of times purpose and meaning. And I know for years, anecdotally, certainly not research-based, I've been telling leaders that 
Driving, understanding meaning and creating meaning for your employees is what helps them to be engaged. You know, that engagement is not about whether people are happy or sad or whether they can bring their dog to work or there's free food in the cafeteria or ping pong tables or, you know, beer, which, you know, a lot of, a lot of organizations tried to use for a while. It's really whether or not they feel like the work that they do matters towards what the organization's purpose is. So, for example, during the pandemic, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, Indeed.com was doing a great job with both their employees and being out there. And I know several people who worked at Indeed at the time, and, and they were really rallying around their purpose, which is we help people get jobs. You know, and so that helped during a really hard time where people were having to work really hard in their industry to figure out how to help people get jobs in a you know catastrophic situation. Another one might be like I, an example I use is John Deere. I think their their purpose is we make equipment that feeds the world or something like that. So it's not I go in every day and I paint tractors green. It's that I make equipment that feeds the world. So how does meaning from your data and research really impact employee engagement and how do organizations help to drive that? It's a great question. And uh, and I'll actually have a have a story that I'd like to share just to kind of bring this one to life, because it is it is it continues to be one of the highest correlated of all the there's about 15 culture drivers that we measure when you kind of unpack the, the pyramid that we talked about. And, and that sense of meaning is typically in the top three, if not the top five across, again, industries, company size, organization. And I think if you if you buy into theories of generations, which I personally, you know, buy in a little bit, but maybe that's because I'm a Gen Xer. But uh, so uh, so if you buy into that, then you would say that that sense of meaning and purpose is only going to be more and more important as uh, as these next generations enter the workforce. And and so again, lots of data to support that, affirm that. I think in terms of you picking the one that you want to talk about, it's an awesome one. Um, and obviously, pretty special one for me as well in terms of in terms of what motivates me. The story I'll tell you that bring that brings this to life is uh, we were working with a telecommunications company, and what they do is they provide essentially the the phone systems to prisons, and that's uh, so kind of an interesting business. And uh, and so we were reviewing their data with their executive team, and one of their lowest scoring statements um, was this sense of meaning. So it just you know it just stared you right in the face. Um, in terms of and and when you talk to an executive team, what, what what the best executive teams do is they find ways to really focus on a, a a very small number of things at the corporate level, and then ultimately right empower their leaders, their managers to drive action down through the all the way down to the employees. We can talk a bit about that as well. But when you think about what is something that an executive team can focus on and make an impact on finding that sense of meaning and articulating that clearly and consistently is a big lever. And so out of this conversation, and this is work where we just kind of surfaced it up, had the conversation. And what the organization did as a result of that is they sort of redefined their whole sense of meaning and purpose around connecting people to their loved ones during really, really difficult personal experiences. And that that's what their business fundamentally does. It's about this connection for people in very, very difficult times. And we were able to quantify the impact that they made and then see that in their business results. 
because of that motivation that they got. And so I love that that's the one that you picked on because I think it is one, it's just, you know, from a, from a leadership perspective, as we said, it's, it's the one that executives can make a big impact on and it can really transform, you know, the way all the employees think about what they're doing on any, on any given day. It's such important work, but it's such hard work. You know, there's, there's the story. It's almost like myth legend now. I've heard, you know, John F. Kennedy was the one that did it, but it's like Mark Twain probably said it. (laughs) The story of somebody visiting the Mayo Clinic and talking to the janitor who's mopping up the floor and says, you know, what do you do here? And the janitor says, I save lives. And, you know, in in some examples, again, it's President Kennedy says, what do you mean you save lives? Like, well, if I don't keep this place clean, you know, people could die from disease, et cetera. So the meaning of his work, even at the, you know, the the janitor level of the organization for the Mayo Clinic was important. You know, I often flip that to be like, what's it like to be the the VP of HR at the chicken processing plant? Right, right, exactly. I don't know. How do you drive to what's, you know, I guess, again, you're feeding the world in some ways, but man, that's a tough one, you know. For sure. And I think, you know, and, and the thing that's important, right, is people have to you know, ultimately define their own sense of what type of meaning and purpose is important to them. And that may be different, probably different for you, maybe than it is for me, than it is for, you know, for the folks listening. I think what what we would say is that spending time thinking about that and articulating that is time well spent. And it's and it's one of those things that, you know, when you think about core values and and mission statement and vision, right? you know, it, there are very, that's not something that you necessarily want to be like working on on an annual basis as part of your planning process to like redefine all of that, right? But, you know, there are these moments of time and it's, and and we get really excited when we find organizations that are at that unique moment in time where for whatever reason, this is the time to take that step back and define why we exist. Revisit are these values, the right set of values to you know, drive the organization to where it's going to go. The classic, you know, what got us here won't get us there. And so I think, yeah, exactly. That sense of meaning and purpose may not ultimately motivate all of your employees or it may motivate your employees in different ways. But what we know is that to the extent that you can figure out what that is and articulate that, it's going to drive to more engaged employees and better results. Sure. But again, some of it's easier than others. I always use the, exactly, of the, exactly. the commercials from a few years ago. I think it was GE making the cancer detection equipment and their commercials were their employees going and meeting people whose lives had been saved. And I'm like, if you're the employer branding manager there, your job's relatively easy. That's right. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, but again, exactly. the poor chicken rendering people. Right, 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 right. Totally, totally. So with some of the data, you know, the the data and the research and the work that you and your team does, you also have something called a top workplaces program, awards or or recognizes some companies, I guess, who do some of these things really well. So maybe tell me a little bit about both the program and, and what are, if you could pick again at high level, what are some things that companies that are in the upper levels of that program doing in terms of driving employee engagement positive? Yeah, so so a couple of things, and this this kind of goes back to one of our points around it's easy to put on your website that you're an employer of choice and that people are your greatest asset. And so part of what what we provide and what's really kind of foundational to the work that we do is is we provide external validation based on quantitative feedback only to determine who the top workplaces are. And so 
this is a, a program that we've been running since we started the company 16 years ago. And we have a variety of awards that we give out both at the regional level and at the national level. And so regionally, some folks may know us from our regional media partnerships. So where you are, where you are, for example, we partner with the Cincinnati Enquirer. And when they once a year publish their list of top workplaces, we're the company behind that doing that research in partnership with the business editorial team. And we've got over 60 of those media partnerships with the Washington Post, Boston Globe, San Francisco Chronicle, Dallas Morning News, kind of you, you name it, basically. In addition, we self-publish a variety of national awards where we recognize Top Workplaces USA for the kind of best of the best across the country, what we call our Culture Excellence Awards for things like remote work, diversity, equity, and inclusion, women-led organizations, innovative organizations, as well as top workplaces by different industries. And so, as you can imagine, because of that, that's really what's allowed us to achieve such scale in terms of the, the tens of thousands of organizations that we've touched and the, and the millions and millions of employees that, we've, um, that have shared their feedback with us. And again, all of that is based purely on quantitative feedback. That's the only input. There's no essay writing. There's no popularity contest. It's really just based on you know, what we hear from employees. And, you know, and, and if you kind of just try to distill down what we see from the very best of the best, I'd say there's a couple of things. I think one is that there is no such thing as a perfect culture. So we are all human beings. We all have brains. We all have complex lives that we bring to work every day. And even the very best of the organizations we work with um, have room for improvement. And, and our data shows that consistently. So as, as, as we say, you know, if it was so easy as just a one, two, three recipe, you know, set it and forget it to build a great culture, we certainly wouldn't exist as a business and there wouldn't be, you know, all these people trying to work on it. So, so that's kind of the, you know, the, where we, we start from is that, is that we can always improve. Um, every organization can always improve. What we see quite simply is that it's organizations who give their employees a voice listen to what their employees are saying and drive honestly what are often relatively simple actions as a result of what they hear from their employees and then rinse and repeat and there's a lot that goes into that in terms of the organizational muscle that you need to build up to be able to pull that off on a consistent basis prioritizing that work above all the other things that are coming at an organization and really making sure that it's aligned to the business strategy. Because as we said, in, in most of the cases that were, and, and the companies that we're working with, it's not about this massive, we need to transform the whole culture and redefine why we exist in our set of values. It's more about what's on our employees' minds today. And ultimately, how do we bring all of the employees in to shape the culture? So it is not the head of HR's responsibility to figure out the culture. It's not the CEO's job. It's not the executive team's job. You know, we believe that every single employee has a responsibility and will in some way, shape or form, right, shape the culture of that organization. And so it's about how do you create that environment and that organizational muscle where employees have a voice that they know is going to be acted on, where it's aligned with the business goals. And that's the thing that we see all kinds of data to support how top workplaces outperform the rest. But that's kind of the, the fundamental principles in terms of what we see them doing. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I always like to lead people with some practical steps that they can take. And of course, a lot of the people listening to this podcast are leaders, uh, whether they're the CEO or leaders of teams. What are maybe two or three things that I, as a leader, can do today or to to start putting in place for my team to really increase employee engagement, help them understand meaning, all the things that are going to lead to more positive outcomes for my team and for the organization. Yeah, absolutely. So I think first thing for us is understanding where you are, right? Quantitatively, which we we may have a biased view on that being the first step, but it's a pretty logical first step. And so we would say, frankly, whether that's with Energage or with somebody else, you need to know where you stand. And, you know, that's something that we do all day, every day. Secondly, you need to then under, you need to then determine, you know, what are those highest leverage actions that are going to move the needle to align that with our business strategy and, and where we're going. And then, and this is kind of the, it sounds simple, but it's make it a priority. Um, and, and there's just kind of a quick story there, which is an organization that we worked with had all kinds of data, said they were going to make this a priority, and they had a monthly leadership team meeting, and they set the agenda for the leadership team meeting. And guess what was the last thing on the agenda for every single meeting that they never got to, which well, was, it was doing something. With the, exactly, it was on the agenda. That's a step back, totally, right? It was on the agenda. So kudos to that. And six months go by, and it's that classic thing where it finally pops up on the agenda. They talk about it. Two months later, they come up with some actions. All of a sudden, they're ready to go back. And it's, you know, it goes without saying, right? They, they missed the window, right? As opposed to, as we unpack that experience, then moving forward, simply by making it a priority and driving those conversations in and of itself drives results. And that's kind of the thing that sometimes I think leaders can get overwhelmed by is if I give my employees away, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to like deal with all these things and all the complaints that they have and everything that's wrong. It's like, well, guess what? They're thinking that anyway. So, you know, so you might as well, you might as well hear it because it's already out there. And then to the extent that you pick a couple things, nobody realistically expects you to do everything, right? And so to the extent that you're communicating out what you're hearing, what's reasonable to do, how it aligns with where you're taking the business. And so again, in a, in a short burst here, those are some of the kind of high level starting points that we would provide to, uh, to executives. Yeah. I'll share one last story. You keep prompting my thinking here from my own career history. Uh, the company that I mentioned earlier, where we, we failed at hiring the marketing people. <laughs> again, CEO, I joined because, you know, we it was a turnaround situation. The company was about to go bankrupt. It's that 100, 100 plus year old company. Some of the employees had been there that long. There at one time had been six unions in the organization, and then they had busted all the unions, but they never moved beyond 16 years later. When I joined, they still had the union contracts as the employee handbook. Uh, Just change the cover, you know, employee handbook instead of union contract. And so needless to say, I I was recruited and hired because I was coming from a team-based work environment, you know, with some really good practices in place there. So my job and the executive team's job was to turn around this employee culture and turn around the business financially. And you know, at, similar to you, I came in guns blazing and I'm like, we need to survey people. You know, I've got a great team that I work with. It wasn't engaged, but this was more than 60 years ago, <laughs> probably. I said, we need to bring them in. We need to do employee opinion survey. We need to understand what people are feeling. And my CEO, again, very wise, looked at me and he said, Jennifer, we know everyone hates their job right now. 
We know what they're going to tell us. Things are not going well. Let's not spend the time, the money, and the effort to hear exactly what we know already are the issues. Let's go take the hill and get, you know, the top two or three things that we've already identified. And then a year from now, when we've done some things, let's do the opinion survey to see if what we're doing is working. And that couldn't have been more of a wise decision. When we did do the opinion survey, I think it was a year and a half later, you know, we were, we did get credit for some of the things that we were doing. And we learned some things that maybe we had not focused on that people really felt like we should. But I was like, let's, let's hear what they have to say. And he's like, we already know what they have to say. They hate us. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. And I think, you know, when there's that level of clarity, for sure, we often don't see that level of clarity. You know, I mean, e- even in turnaround situations, I think what that opening up that feedback can do is can be the way to start a conversation. And and so I think that's the thing that, that we will see is yes, there are absolutely cases where, you know, you know, what needs to be done. It's obvious. And we just need to start executing on that. And my guess is that was probably driven off of conversations that CEO oh, was yeah. having before that, I, you know, he'd been that, there six that, months before that, I joined you know, walking the floor. Yeah, the front line. <laughs> exactly. Right. All that. And so, so anyway, so I think that's just the, the, the thing to, to keep in mind is, and you, and you're often surprised. And, and the other thing we find is because we, we do capture qualitative feedback while it's not factored into top workplaces. It's a huge part of the value we provide are the employee comments. And so what happens is you get this quantitative data and then the comments just pop up and it's like, you know, here's this silly process, you know, it's the classic TPS reports from office space, right? It's like, here's this silly process that we're still doing and nobody understands why we do it and it wastes all the time. And it's like a simple win can be like, stop doing the dumb reports that nobody cares about. You know, it's like not that big a deal, but it's, we heard you were doing it. So, um, so that's just as an example of the types of actions that we're talking about here don't have to be those grand scale types of changes yeah but the the, uh, the the main point is that we need to listen and act exactly and communicate so exactly there you go <laughs> well i have enjoyed this discussion and could talk with you even further but i know you have a lot of resources and information available to people so where can we learn more about you intergage top workplaces program etc yeah absolutely so a couple things i mean obviously checking out uh intergage.com and topworkplaces.com. anyone who's interested in learning more about how they can become a top workplace uh, we would love to to talk to you more about that. What we're also going to do is we've been gathering some research uh, over the past year through what we're calling our top workplaces research labs. Um, and so we're picking themes that are really of of relevance to, I think, most of your listeners right now around well-being and burnout, around recognition and appreciation. So we're going to, um, as part of our, our follow-up with you, Jennifer, we'll we'll put together that research and make sure that everyone here gets access to it. Fantastic. Well, we'll be certain to link to all those things in the show notes, but people can uh, just go to the show notes and click on those to get there right away. But again, I appreciate you spending time with me today and uh, continuing to educate me more about what it takes to be in a top workplace and increase employee engagement at work. Thank you so much, Jennifer. It's time for you to get noticed, create change and grow your influence. Don't waste any time. Subscribe to this podcast and help us get the word out by leaving a review. 